personal power, people positive, the community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing fine, good. thank you. Steve, where, what city are, you, city are you located in right now? I, I'm in um, a, a town called Ashburn, Virginia. It's in northern Virginia, about 40 miles west of Washington, uh, pretty close to Dulles International Airport. Okay, that part of Virginia. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Um, you, uh, I, I got to tell you something. I First of all, I love stuff, especially being a former reporter and editor. I know that you got creative. Your mind's got to be so creative because you've seen some crazy stuff. I can I can assure you. So sometimes when you see that crazy stuff, um, it makes you wonder. A sci-fi novel would be something that would just be so easy for you to do because I'm in the news business too, and we could tell some crazy, crazy stories. And <laughs> to take this and um, you know. Put it, put it in a new sci-fi novel. This will be pretty cool because your captivating book, Castle of Sands, is what we're going to be talking about today, uh, delves into the world of artificial intelligence. Now, AI has been a really big thing. It's got people freaked out. The first time I ever saw anything with AI was on Jeopardy! And uh, when they were playing, you know, against the AI. So is this a little bit of your life experiences at, at when you were in your journalist days and... And some reality, too, I have a feeling, Steve. Yes, it does draw on uh, my days as a journalist and just life in general. I mean, when I think just to, oh, two, three years ago when I started to put this story together, uh, you know, and I didn't even know for sure where it was going, AI was not at the forefront of my thinking um, because at the time, a lot of these experts, scientists, mathematicians, philosophers, all the people who were talking about AI, having their books published, being on TV, podcasts, you name it, were saying, well, if AIs ever become sentient, super intelligent and sentient, it will be so many hundreds of years from now that sure. it's going to bother us. And in the past, just in the past three years, there's been this shift from maybe someday to ooh, five to 10 years and maybe less. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's, it's like, it's almost like AI is part of this whole thing. It's, it's, it's growing exponentially. I mean, you see, as you just said, the time frame would seem so far away, you wouldn't even be able to touch. You respectfully put in here very pointedly, you know, th- this is a real deal. And, you know, especially with our, civilization and the way people are doing this is going this could affect everything i mean the way we think the way we bank the way we do our everyday lives um you know i mean and it gets in the wrong hands steve that's the scary part as you as you talk about it doesn't even take the wrong hands what if we for example program a very powerful ai to protect the environment let's say that we give it that that goal well, it may interpret that goal in such a way to say, hmm, you know, these people, they're not very good for the environment. Maybe we don't want them. Um, that's kind of an extreme case. But we already are seeing AI into our daily lives quite intimately in some cases. Um, we've seen, um, you know, the chatbots become very popular. Um, one of the Google chatbots is working in hospitals now. Um, and we seeing a course that will be taught at Harvard University this fall that will be taught entirely by an AI professor. Well, teacher, maybe. I don't know if it's a professor as such, 
So it's already seeping into our lives, and you're seeing a lot of government um, concern, both in the U.S. and especially in Europe. And they're trying very hard to set sort of fail-safes so that AI doesn't get out of control. But we don't really know how to do that. Right. <laughs> and so right. that's right. where we are now. We're kind of in this period where we think something bad could happen. We're not sure. Some people are saying it won't be so bad. Others are saying it, it will be. And we're kind of in this period of, holy mackerel, what do we do? Well, you know, it's a there's, there's some touch of thriller here. You know, it's like, I mean... And to me, just the thought of it, I don't care if it's even good. I, my mind just goes towards the what ifs, you know, like you were explaining here. I, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on uh, WRBL.com, uh, Steve Bates and I are talking. My uh, intern, Steve, I told you about is coming in here. She's a job shadower from Brookstone. It's, it's Sutton Hastings. She just actually came in. We're going to add a camera for her in just a moment. Um, so if you saw me getting up doing stuff, I'm processing. <laughs> I was using a little artificial intelligence to still listen to what you were saying and during our, 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 whole, our whole talk here. Um, Hastings, we're talking about Castle of Sand. It's a sci-fi novel uh, written by Washington Post, Steve Bates, who is uh, actually retired Washington Post journalist. So he takes his life and he takes some, some pretty interesting what's going on in the world today and puts it into a, a, a a provoking uh, kind of topic and book on this, uh, you know, artificial intelligence world. What could be and what's going to be happening? Um, you know, you you intertwine a lot. There's a lot of themes in there you've been touching on. Um, the fragility of our existence, you know, you're a young lady. I mean, what about, and let me ask you this, since Hastings is here right now and she's listening to it, we'll get her up here. There she is right there. It's different for you and I, and I, I don't know how, I think you and I are close in age. I'm, I'm late 50s. I was born in 65. What, what about her? I mean, what's her future going to be like? I mean, that's what I, what do we need to be telling her, <laughs> her generation, you know, sci-fi or not, this part of this is a reality. Yeah. One of the things I uh, mentioned in uh, my forward to Castle of Sand was that when you sit down to try and write science fiction, all you're really doing is writing about facts that just haven't happened yet because the things that occur are equal to, if not greater than, the things that we can imagine. Even the greatest minds in science and science fiction, um, some of whom have passed, unfortunately, would be astounded by what we're finding today. So, I mean, you know, young people today are going to grow up in a world where increasingly, just for example, many scientists and mathematicians are saying, we have actual proof that additional universes exist, parallel, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call them. They're there, there's mathematical and even some ex potential experimental evidence. So when you're dealing with this kind of mind-blowing stuff, you know, and you're walking into a Starbucks or a Chipotle and, and, and robots are, and AIs are preparing your beans or they've got, call it, uh, Autocavo, it's a machine that can take uh, avocados, peel them, take out the pit in half the time the humans can. So that's just one of the latest things. It's going to be everywhere, Siri on your phone. And so you have to basically come to grips with it because there's no avoiding it. Yeah, and 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 that's the scary part. How much of this, let me ask Hastings, you're hearing this, how much kids are talking about this? Do you, do you consider that? Are you worried about it? Do you think about AI? Do you think about robots doing all the work for you? And then 
sometimes taking your voice. If you do any social media, do you do social media? Um, not a lot. Good, good mom and dad. I'll say that. Okay. Because <laughs> by the way, I just want to let you know, Hastings, you're what, 16, honey, or 17? Uh, 17. 17. Okay. Just making sure. But that's crazy. So what do you think of this? Are I don't know. I personally think it's kind of nerve wracking in a way, because yeah. I don't know what to make of it. Um, I think the first time that I ever saw like an AI and really thought about it was just Siri. It's just something simple on your phone. But when you see how upgraded it's become okay. and everything. That's smart. Yeah. Steve has totally got, I mean, that's, that's interesting. You take that perspective. It's concerning in a way. What would, what do you think your generation, what would you be concerned about most? I mean, just thinking you're 17 years old, you're looking in the future. How do you think it could be good or bad? Good efficiency, I guess. I mean, like, uh, as you were saying, the, what is it, avocado? Yeah, the avocado. Uh, oh, the avocado. fruit. Yeah, okay. it's a fruit, right, Steve? <laughs> I think an avocado is a fruit, I think. But it's Perhaps. amazing now, as Steve points out, you know, it. You know, sci-fi is facts that just, they're, they're there, but they haven't really happened yet. But this has happened. There's a machine that's capable of peeling an avocado and perfectly getting the pit out faster than a human could do it. And I've, I'm going to tell you something. I've been in Cancun, Mexico, because I've been down there where they grow avocados like crazy all year round. They're beautiful. Tastes phenomenal. And I've seen the folks, some of the locals there doing it. I, I was impressed, Steve, how fast they did it with a human hand. The guy cutting it, then squeeze the lime on it, and boom, he serves it, and it's like delicious. I, it, would take, it takes me like, it feels like 15 minutes. <laughs> so... But, yeah. but so yes, to her point, there are some very good things that we're seeing and will see out of AI. And some people say it's not going to be a, a problem other than the same kind of disruption you saw during the Industrial Revolution when people got thrown out of jobs. Um, the high-tech innovations of the past few decades, every time a job is, is eliminated, a new job probably one with a greater level of skills required, but another one is created. So I think the challenge from the employment point of view is to find things that people can do that AIs maybe can't do or can't do well or need help with. Uh, we're already seeing um, some um, news organizations using AIs to write articles, routine articles out of the business world, analyzing a press release about a new product or service, uh, merger, stock activity, uh, even some sports. So it's here. We don't necessarily see it and feel it all the time, but we just have to make our peace with it. I'm, you know, I, of course, I'm looking at the glass half empty right now because <laughs> I'm thinking of the moral dilemmas here. I'm, yes. I'm I, you know, uh, you, you touch on that too. I mean, there's good stuff like you you touch on it. The industrial revolution was a good thing. It really was. My dad was a tool and die maker, but now they're stamping out cars like it's nothing, right? You can go to a, a we have the Kia plant up at West Point. It's not far from where I am right now. And, you know, there's some good things with that, but you still need the human touch. Do you think, do you think humans would be completely removed from this, even in your sci-fi? But is there some truth that you think, is there going to be a point if we go in this, if we let this slippery slope continue, which it seems like it's already on a, it's already happening. How do you stop this train from going yeah. out of control? It's, as long as the AIs don't start throwing bombs at us and, and coming back in Terminator fashion and doing all those terrible things, um, we're going to learn to live with it. Um, 
that's going to help in many ways take over some of the drudge work and leave, you know, decades down the road, leave people to do more uh, perhaps artistic and self-fulfilling things. So there is the potential for significant improvement in the lives of human beings in a few decades if we can avoid the really negative stuff. And there's a lot of effort being put into that. But, you know, the good old capitalist system, which is uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. pretty much what it is, will drive uh, private entrepreneurs to take risks, take chances to make the best, most powerful, most effective AIs. Um, so their competitors don't do it before them. Um, governments will get a hold of these things and use them for in ways that may or may not be what we would like. So, you know, privacy will be a major issue. Intrusion into personal lives will be a major issue, whether it's taking our pictures everywhere, um, eyeball, retina prints, you know, all those sort of things. We can be tracked everywhere, but AIs are gonna help us find new medicines, now, medically, it should be great. I mean, it's happening now with the way they do surgery. I mean, they're already helping yeah. out at hospitals. They're going to do a lot more. So it's just, you know, we're going to have to work with the good and the bad and, and try and level it out. You know, the good, the good, as you just pointed out, I, I could see all that. What, you know, just security, you know, and you, you hear about if, if, uh, these third world nations, there's been rumor that China's, you know, taking TikTok and they're, they're taking Hastings voice, my daughter's voice, they're taking my voice or somebody's voice and they can simulate that. Do you see that ever being something where they're going to get in and it's going to be able to, I mean, they already have the apps like that. That That's true. I've, you, it, it, it's scary, but if you ever search on an app store, they have the president of the United States voice and it sounds like, and he's saying things, you can say it and it sounds like him saying it. I mean, yes. is this... That's already there. Are they capturing our voices now? Is there any? Would how, how do you stop that? I mean, because these. I mean, everyone's doing social media. I mean, all our parents would have to say right away. You know, kids stop. I mean, you would have to be under a rock now. I mean, I think there's almost like, you know, where where would that go? Where where's your concern on that level? I have a lot of concern about deep fakes, about the ability to make. That's yeah, so what they call deep fakes. Okay, that are convincing that make it look like. Um, you know, um, former President Trump is being taken off to jail in handcuffs, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and that actually is pretty tame compared to what could happen. Um, it's going to be very difficult for the individual, let alone the, uh, you know, the general news media and social media to um, weed out these things. And we're just going to have to be on our guard every minute of every day for things that are not true. I mean, I get, I don't know how many spam texts and phone calls every day. Someone's decided that I, I've got a business and they've got a loan for me and, and I hear from them all the time. Sure. So, I mean, most of the time, these are machines, these are AIs placing the calls. Um, so we've already, we're already seeing that part. If we can just get enough balance where the benefits you know, AIs can help us um, clean up the climate across the planet. Sure. They can do a lot of things if we get them doing what we want them to do. And that that piece of control is one that um, has been talked a lot about. I mean, it, even if you go back decades to the writings of Isaac Asimov, whose foundation series, by the way, is coming back in, I think, the second season uh, starting this weekend. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, even back then, Asimov, uh, you know, 
created these three laws of robotics to try and protect humans from robots. And, uh, you know, people attacked them and said they're not good enough. And, you know, it's just fantasy. But the principles therein, you know, robots can't hurt people. They can't hurt humanity in general. They're pretty sound if we could somehow incorporate that into uh, our uh, our development of AIs. Um, you know, maybe we'll have a uh, a partnership. Yeah, you know, and I think you touched on something. It's it's finding that balance, as you just said. If we so as much as maybe people are doing the dirty deeds, the the evildoers out there, uh, the Joker, you know, doing doing stuff. But yet you got Batman and Robin on the other side counter counteracting it. So hopefully the good could prevail in this to some degree, but I mean, despite all that that's going on, I got to ask you this, um, Hastings, did you have anything? I mean, I, you look like your wheels are turning. Is there something you want to add in there? Don't, don't be afraid. This is your chance to jump in. What do you think? Just hearing all this, what do you, what do you make of it? I mean, mm, it's a complicated subject. Like the wheels are definitely turning right now. Yeah. So you're you're absorbing like the sponge now. You're 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 taking it all in, which is good. So you are a computer. You know that. You're you're maybe she's part of AI, AI here, <laughs> Steve. I mean, so you, you do have a uh, two point five petabytes of memory. Woo! Look at this. This is why I had her come on the podcast. Did you hear that? We have two point. What is that again? Say it again. Petabytes. Petabytes. Did you know that, Steve? I did not know that. Oh, I did not. <laughs> we have to have a 17-year-old tell us this. That's why she attends one of the most elite schools here in Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> There's no doubt she's a smart young lady. That's good. Well, I learned something today. That's great. But yeah. on, on that note, and the petabytes in your head and everything else, I mean, this is something to go back in our memory banks a little bit. I don't, I, Steve, I don't know. I don't want to ask your agent. You don't feel comfortable telling me. But do you, how much do you remember Watergate? Quite a bit. Yeah, um, I was just actually starting to get into the news business when that happened. Okay, you don't look your age. How's that? There you go. So Thank that's you. good. Yeah, I, the name, I grew up um, in New York, Western New York. And when I got my first TV job, I went to Binghamton, New York. And I had the privilege of uh, working with a guy. He's still in the business. He's in Seattle, Washington now. He's a morning anchor. was a big sports guy. His dad worked for Sports Illustrated, SI instead of AI. And he worked for SI, good big writer. His name was Martin Dardis, okay? And I didn't know enough about it, but as I was learning about his son, Mike, and Martin has passed away, he told me that he was like, geez, Bob, you know, my life as a child was terrible. I lived in Miami. We were picked up. The FBI agents would come in and move. And I'm like, hearing these stories, I go, what in the heck is he talking about, right? So I go to his house. I was invited to his house in Binghamton, New York, is where his dad lived and his mom already resided at that time. And I look on the wall and I'm seeing pictures of like Nixon. I see pictures of this and I'm not even putting two and two together. And I go, well, how's this? He goes, Bob, I told you, my dad is Martin Darry. He was the one, he, he was part of finding the bad checks that were written down in Miami. I go, get out of town. And I started talking to his dad. I did not know, did a little more investigation. Not as good as I would at the Washington Post, but you guys had a big hand on that. <laughs> so um, this, see, and then they developed a show out of it. You, you saw it, the, the janitors, it's called the... Um, is that on HBO Max? I think I think it's on HBO Max. They're um, it, it's um, White House Plumbers. Thank you, thank you. You're faster yes. than I am. Fabulous show. Fabulous. I only saw the preview. I got one episode in. It's been a while. I got to jump back into it. I got to dive into it because HBO. I got to do some renewal stuff. But I, I love the concept. How much is that real versus what you know that that the movie does it? Now this is after the fact of what happened with the president. I mean. Today's world, how how easy could it have been caught earlier? Or do you think with the media, could it ever gone that far with Nixon? 
Well, yeah, in today's world, we would have had much more um, um, cybersecurity, much more uh, just, you know, camera uh, presence around uh, these buildings. Uh, might be easier to get fingerprints off of, uh, you know, smudgy, you know, tabletops, that sort of thing, if the gloves weren't on when they should have been. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say exactly what would have happened, but here's another way to look at it. You know, could it have been staged as, you know, could it have been a, a deep fake? Could it have been, you know, absolutely not what it appeared to be? And you could have all these government officials, you know, investigating and then mm -hmm. turning beat red when they found out that it was, they've been, you know, hoaxed. So, yeah, I think it, 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 that kind of thing probably wouldn't happen at least as crudely as it did just because we're in a, a world where privacy is far reduced we almost assume that everywhere we go and everything we do, someone knows about it. I mean, you know, my cell phone, you know, is I'm saving money on my insurance because I've got this app on, on my cell phone. And, sure. you know, I know they're, they, you know, they know where I am all the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, stories like that. I mean, I'm as an old time journalist, long time journalist. And as you know, you kind of think that it would come out, come out eventually. Yeah. Uh, People will talk, but um, it's like Monologo with President President Trump. Look how quick you know the FBI. But I mean, just you know, without getting into the politics of that, but you just think about how everybody knows about. I mean, we all it's just it's around the dinner table that quickly. I mean, Watergate just felt like it was just you know kind of easy. You didn't really understand it. Years later, you started seeing more stories about it. Uh, you know, whether you're you know Nixon supporter, conservative, and whatever, but you would have never suspected. Uh, that kind of play going on and, and cover up and, and, um, and, and, you know, took journalists, good journalists like yourself and, um, you know, guys at the, you know, post and, and doing their things too. So Dustin Hoffman, great and great seeing that, that movie. He, he did a great oh, yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Bernstein. yeah and Bernstein too was phenomenal. Okay. So getting back on your, on this. So, <laughs> so Hastings is looking to Castle of Sand. Who would it appeal to? Who should read this book now? I guess the people who are so absolutely sure that our civilization and our species will just continue to thrive, expand, raise levels of, of income and education around the planet, maybe we'll go out into the stars and colonize all over the place, that humanity is just unstoppable because anything can happen and a lot of bad things could happen. Look at all the great civilizations we've had, ancient Egypt, Rome, sure. so many others. They all thought they would last forever. They all failed. Today, we've got AI coming. We have nuclear proliferation. We have climate change. Uh, we have, you know, AI potentially, you know, taking over some parts of our lives. Um, there's no guarantee that we're going to stick around. My book, Castle of Sand, deals with the what if. What if the worst happens? Okay. The very worst. Something, some, somebody unleashes a pathogen on our planet that they think will help them win a war, but actually will be unstoppable and kill everyone. So you've got this arc that's been under construction in orbit for many years behind on schedule, behind budget, not everything is, you know, built and ready to go. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, 
just blast it off and hope that they can, you know, get enough people somewhere to start again. And that's what happens. They go off and they find a planet and they try to start again. Um, they find that the humans there are, the, are our own worst enemies, however. Yeah. This isn't Mars either, just so folks know. It's not It's not us going to Mars. This is like, no, no you, so you went into something, yeah, something yeah, yeah. totally different. Fascinating stuff. I mean, I, it, it makes you think a lot. Um, even the young kids, does that, does that tempt you? Be totally, I mean, Haynes, you know, Sutton, you're pretty, pretty honest here. Would you want to read that? Does that fascinate you? It does sound interesting. Yeah. I think it would be something that you'd, you'd, you'd want to explore and just try to understand it more, maybe even probe deeper. My, my, my thing is that we have a duty, so to speak, to let our kids kind of know a little bit about this. I think, uh, know what's happening, be a little bit more conservative in your way of, given information out there, but if you do it, do it appropriately and know if something that's been checked out. What you put out there could be out there for a long time. Images, whatever, God only knows what. Um, you know, could be a deep fake of you and I right now, Steve, talking about, you know, conspiring to take over the, <laughs> the White House and yeah, we didn't do a darn thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying it would get to that and hopefully there's enough checks and balances something could be intercepted at the right time. I mean, at the time of this podcast, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un is, is, is launching missiles in the Sea of Japan, and, you know, here we go again, and, you know, flexing a little muscle. So there's, you know, our world is at Sodom and Gomorrah again, for those out there, you know, looking at it in, in a space like that. And as you said, could this be, you know, edging on uh, those times? I don't know. But, you know, we'll, we'll soon find out. But uh, through the book, as we sit here, Steve Bates, uh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, you, you couldn't ask for anybody better, you know, from the Washington Post, former. Um, I think once you've always been an editor and, uh, you know, journalist, and um, you're, you're, you're somebody who just is always a good reporter. I'm sure you got so much interesting stuff. Love to talk to you just about uh, your career. I mean, that's a whole other topic, too. But uh, catch it, because Steve's going to interject a lot of his his um, his world experience in this and, uh, and, and taking facts and taking things that could potentially become real and come to fruition. So we'll, we'll be, uh, you know, focused on that and seeing it. A lot of boundaries, challenges, and assumptions, and you know, you're going to be sparking new conversations like we are here around the water cooler. And, uh, and, and this Maria Ramos, I'm going to say, and then this, um, who, 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 why are you seeing this through the eyes of her? Who, who is this person that you came up with? Why her? And that's- she's, uh, she's like any of, she could be any of us, you know, okay. she's a soccer mom. She has a part-time job. Um, she lives in Columbia, Maryland, which is, you know, like a planned suburb, um, between Baltimore and Washington, DC. Um, she just stumbles into, uh, literally collides with this man who's in charge of the ARC project. Um, uh, and, uh, he accidentally bumps her with his car, uh, while he's trying to get to the spaceport at Wallops Island in, uh, on the Eastern shore of Virginia puts her in the car, her son comes along, all of a sudden they're in the spaceport, everyone's just in a panic to get into this space plane to get up into orbit so that they can go from there and launch the ARC, an actual spaceship that can can uh, reach uh, distant planets um, uh, at, at, by basically tricking uh, physics to allow it to go faster than light. So Maria Ramos is just caught up in something bigger than her, but, you know, she, for all the uh, problems and issues and pressures on her to sort of be the person, point person who works with an AI to somehow get a bunch of 
frozen cells of passengers who died on the way yeah. to actually grow humans and create a new colony and population there, despite, you know, her being, you know, you know, kind of, what was me? What, what is this all about? And why was I stuck with this? She finds that, that spark, that innate piece of us inside of her to do something for more than just herself, to do something for her species and just because it's the right thing to do. Um, it's not easy um, by any means, but she just sticks with it. And she inspires us because, again, she could be any of us. So it goes from a bit of pop, uh, pop, uh, apocalyptic to uh, something really good as she, she kind of finds the, the, the silver lining almost, it seems like. She does. Yeah. So I, li- I, I like that thought. And here's, here's the other thing. Someone's going to be starring in this movie someday. You know, what would you do if Spielberg came to you tomorrow and said, hey, look, Steve, I, I'd love to make a movie on this. Would, would you be willing to sell the rights or would you want, could you see this? They always say the book is better than the movie, but could you see a movie on this? I absolutely could. That's good. So your intention is right there. That's good. Yeah. I can't wait to see the movie. And I can say, I talked to the guy who wrote this and you too. <laughs> look at that, Sutton Hastings. Would you make that? Would you love that? Would you go see it? The movie. Who would star in it though? Do you, have you thought that far? Would you, would you see well, that character? I- I had a few thoughts, yeah. yeah. You don't want to share them yet? <laughs> well, I better not. I might okay. pursue But, uh, yeah, no, there's there's plenty of people. Well, who I think. you didn't know this, but I have a camera behind you, and I see all your notes, so I can find uh, out with the AI. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. I got, we got to respect the privacy. There you go. Steve, I appreciate everything you've done. Thanks for uh, the journals you did. You did some great stuff in, the, in your career. I know you have. And uh, keeping people on their toes, keeping politicians honest and all that good stuff. Uh, Steve Bates, uh, extraordinary guy here. And I hope that all of you can check it out. Um, you know, Castle of Sand is exceptional, timely uh, kind of literary work. And uh, again, it could be yours right on the table tomorrow. We hope we could do that. Think about it. Uh, a lot of truth to this stuff. Either it's happening and will be happening. And I can't wait to catch that, too. I'm going to be checking it out. So, again, uh, thanks for catching us on YouTube. You can catch us on right here at WRBL.com. And you can also catch us on Spotify, iHeart, and, of course, uh, Audible, uh, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. By golly, it's there. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm there as well. We'll show you some snippets of Steve and Sutton here, too, my my extraordinary that we learned something today. Say it again, Sutton. What was that thing called in your brain? It, what's it called? called? Peta, what's it called again? It's petabytes. called petabytes. Petabytes. And how many do we have in our brain? Two. Two petabytes. That's it. AI has a lot more than that. I can guarantee they could duplicate it in 50 times. But the human brain might be better yet. We'll, we'll keep it around. We'll keep it around for all. We still need still need the human <laughs> human touch, Steve. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. And by the way, it's On the Road with Bob Jeswell coming up in mid-August. Steve is our last in-house uh, podcast, believe it or not, Steve. So it's going to be On the Road. I'm going to be doing it through a TV program, a half hour on WRBL.com sometime in mid-August. Uh, we'll announce that, and it'll be just used the same way. So we'd probably have you back, but you'd be on the big screen in the studio. So it's uh, we're going to take a little hiatus for a couple weeks if you're watching this podcast. And uh, appreciate everybody. And, uh, hey, AI to all. <laughs> take care.